Welcome to Fitzarns Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer, designed to keep you informed and captivated about the South African residential property market. Subscribe to our channel today and enjoy conversations with some of the most influential, innovative and interesting industry experts, stakeholders and scheme executives as they render input in today's property market. Hi, good day. I'm Pearl Skeltema, the CEO of Fidzan Estates. And once again, welcome to Fidzan's Property Exchange. As a result of the ongoing problems with load shedding, many sectional title owners are looking into alternative and renewable energy options, such as solar panels, to reduce the impact of load shedding. A common question, therefore, being raised by sectional title owners is whether they are permitted to install solar panels on their sectional title property. Of course, we all know it's not just a matter of ordering the stuff and having it installed. It is installed on common property, mostly on roofs, and therefore the requirement would be from the sectional title owners itself. A special general meeting needs to be called. Taking this one step further, one needs to determine the responsibilities of the owners versus the body corporate when it comes to insurance policy of sectional title schemes and how the installation of solar panels affect the insurance policy. And for that specific reason, I have contacted the well-known Mike Addison that is going to share his immense knowledge about this and guide us through the whole process. Mike Addison is co-owner and founding director of AdSure, a registered financial service provider. With banking, finance, insurance and property backgrounds, sectional title insurance was an almost perfect fit for him in his area of expertise and speciality. Atua was born more than 20 years ago. Mike's passion for property and insurance started to evolve into the practice Atua is today. Over many years, Mike and the Adjua team have become well-known for their presentations and workshops in an easy-to-understand format, assisting many community schemes in their efforts to reduce risk. So, good day, Mike, and very welcome to Fitzanne's Property Exchange. Oh, good day to you. Great to be on your exchange. I'm, I'm very excited about today's topic. Okay, let's start with basics, because this is a question we get very often. What does a standard insurance policy for bodies corporate include? Ah, Pearl, that's a, that's a big one. Uh, we need an hour to really answer it fully, but I'll give you a, an in-the-nutshell answer. Okay, so the prescribed rules, uh, actually the Act and the regulations and the prescribed rules all together, uh, set out the minimum or you could say the basic cover that a body corporate must have. Um, I put them into three different categories. I put them into buildings, so you need to insure the buildings for various things against certain risks. You need to cover the liability, and you need to cover the fidelity. So I put them, I always call it the three, the three-prong approach. Okay. The buildings is the one that we really put most of our focus on because that's where all the claims are and that's where, you know, your flooding, your fires, your impacts against the gates and, and all of that damage. So you could say anything materially that damages the property falls under the building's cover. 
And that's where today's subject will focus mainly. And, and it's actually, it's going to, um, I'm, I'm glad you asked the question because it's going to actually fit into what I said. So your basic buildings cover will cover you what we call for normal perils. What do I mean by normal perils? Fire, storm, wind, hail, etc. Okay, that actually leads me to the next question, and I'm very glad you mentioned that. Very often we get the question, the roof was leaking, I have damage inside my unit, can the insurance please repair the roof? Yeah, that's very common. And uh, let's say in Johannesburg, and we'll call it Gauteng, Johannesburg and Pretoria, it's an annual event which happens between November and now, basically. Okay, and then now it's Cape Town's turn, etc. As time goes on, all the roofs start deteriorating, and it is a problem. Okay, the insurance company is actually not there to fix your roofs. Okay, so the insurance company will attend to roof damage that's caused by a storm, but the insurance company will not attend to a roof that's been damaged or is damaged through wear and tear. Now we're going to go through a wintry, dry period. And, you know, the sun and the UV rays and everything has its impact on the roof or particularly the waterproofing. I'm thinking about those waterproofing layers and so on. And they deteriorate over time. And when the first rains come along, you have a leak. That's a very, very common problem or something happened, or the roof tiles cracked, or whatever, during the period. The insurance company will, in some cases, so if it rains, you have a heavy storm, very stormy night, and the owner calls you up in the morning and says, look, we've got water damage to our ceilings now. Now, there's also two approaches. Traditionally, the insurance companies have been a little bit soft on this, uh, because in the past, it was deemed that If you had a sudden water damage to your ceiling, they would repair your ceiling. But if the damage to the roof was not caused by the storm itself, but was wear and tear related, then they won't pay for the roof damage. Is that done by an assessor to establish what the cause of the claim is? Yeah, that would normally be if, and that's a good question as well, a loss adjuster or an assessor would be called out by the insurance company for usually the larger amounts, amounts over certain amounts. It could be over 15,000, could be over 20,000 rand, depending on the insurance company's policy. They don't obviously publicize that. They keep that to themselves. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can get away without even a loss adjuster because if you've sent in your quotes to repair and the report from your roofing company is substantial enough, the insurance company can make a decision at the insurance company on that claims person or the claims manager's desk, I call it. Okay, so that's the important thing. Get your reports in nicely. It saves time and you get your decision made quickly. The roof, so yes, a loss adjuster would ultimately be the one that would make that call unless the roof company have made it quite obvious in their report. And photographs, you know, I always have pictures till a thousand, uh, a thousand words and all that stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, the insurance company are there to repair storm damage. Mm, that's a wanting for parents. So we should get it clear that any claim has to be related to a once-off incident. The insurance is not there to cover maintenance or wear and tear. And depending on the amount to be assessed by, um, what do you call them? 
A loss adjuster, yeah. A loss adjuster, okay. No, you're quite right. The, when it comes to the ceiling part underneath the roof, okay, strictly speaking, if the cause was wear and tear, and, and it depends on the policy wording and how it's the policy wordings are structured in the various mm-hmm. different policies, but it's as a general rule, you could say, or a general policy wording, um, Wear and tear related causes are not covered, so even the sudden damage could be rejected. But the insurance companies have, up until recently, been very, very generous. In other words, they what they have been actually taking the view, they've been, been very fair, I suppose is the word to put, and they're saying the owner was not in control of the roof, the body corporate was, the owner experienced sudden water damage so that they will – they will still entertain the damage to the ceiling as long as it happens suddenly. Is that what we often refer to as consequential damage? No, that's what it would be resulting damage. A consequential, a consequential damage would be something else. Consequential damage is if a flood or something caused the person now to, as a consequence of the flood or the damage to their section, they've oh, now got to go and stay elsewhere and so as a consequence we have consequential loss which would be loss of rental or alternative accommodation all right that's quite clear thank you so much for that okay obviously the current buzz is solar mm-hmm. please share your experience on what should be covered who should be responsible for payment of the premium yeah i love the way you 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 mentioned it's the buzz at the moment. Um, it's, it certainly is. I remember it was about two weeks ago. It was a Monday morning. And on that Monday morning, I had four inquiries because the inquiries are very, very intertwined with insurance. Okay, so a lot of the queries come. So, yes, we've actually, as a result of the buzz, we're actually in our practice, we're actually making uh, this month solo month. So, yeah, it's it's very topical at the moment. Okay, so... There's a whole lot of you could say if you're doing if you're looking at this or if you're looking at that. So we always say the first thing you need to do is to bring an expert in to actually ascertain your needs. I mean that's the very very first thing, because we can't even give you any advice on insurance if we don't know what you're going to need or what you're going to do. In the recent talks, I think we saw you uh, the other day at the Nama Expo. We speak about an assumption because we had to actually unpack this in like five minutes. And likewise here, you know, we're not going to spend the whole morning talking about this, but on the assumption that the norm and the buzz, you call it, is that an owner wants security of supply. So they want, they're not here looking to save money. They're not looking at anything like that. They just want, when the load shedding happens, they want to make sure the electricity carries on to some degree, especially on the important things. So what do they need? So generally, the owner will need some sort of panels, PV panels on the roof, uh, connected to an inverter or and a controller inside their section, and which leads to batteries, battery bank, which keeps everything, you know, saves the electricity uh, in very, very layman's terms. So what you have, you have a part on the roof and a part within the section. So the first thing we need to establish is, well, hang on a moment, what, what you... Whatever you're going to install, is it a permanent structure? Now, you can actually go around and argue what is a permanent structure. We don't get into that argument. We're the broker. We just say, you tell us. Are you going to take this away with you when you when you depart, or is it going to stay? 
So that's our first question. Interesting. Mm. Okay, because even <laughs> over the weekend, I saw on social media there's a new product that's come out where you can put these panels on your balcony and uh, everything is portable. Oh, wow. Uh, um, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's in Europe, uh, not actually even here, but obviously it's a topical subject. Buzz, of course, so it gets onto our social media. So it's not necessarily something that you're going to attach to the building per se. You might even, um, you might even say to me that, well, I'm going to leave the panels on the roof, but when I move, I'm going to take the batteries uh, with me. You know, um, so we need to establish what you want insured as a permanent structure. You tell me, no, it's permanent. Now we're going to actually insure it for you. Okay. Then we need to know whether you are going to want to insure that for normal perils. That's why just now I mentioned the normal perils, the normal perils being fire, storm, hail, etc. Do you want them covered for normal perils or do you want it covered in a higher fashion, for example, for theft? Well, this is just what I wanted to ask. Where does safety fit into this? Okay, so up until recently, and uh, I'll go as and say up until a month ago, I used to say to clients, well, I don't see the need to cover you for theft because we work in the sectional title environment and most of the clients that we work with, you know, they've got some form of security or electric fence. And uh, who's going to climb onto a roof and steal panels? you know, really, without being noticed or heard. Well, changed your mind, Mike. <laughs> we, because there's been, on social media, there's been even holdups where the person was held up at gunpoint in their home and actually their system stolen oh, from within the section even. I mean, it was an isolated case, I think. But the point is, it now becomes the buzzword. So, uh, yeah. as you put it, so... Now people are all asking. But it is actually a good question because what happens if the body corporate has it in their rules that they're going to arrange the insurance and the owners have an expectation that theft is there when it isn't? So that needs to be dealt with when you're actually creating your rules. In other words, you know, you're going to make this clear or that clear or who's responsible for what. Okay, so from our point of view as an insurance broker, we just want to know whether you want theft or you don't want theft. Theft cover is more expensive. And not only that, but the various insurance companies do have different attitudes towards the solar. Probably not the right word in saying attitudes, let's say policy or policy wordings. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, the one I'm thinking of, the one the main one of the main insurers, they will treat if we say we want to put a hundred and fifty thousand rand to the solar equipment, that's not you see, the insurance is actually the easy part. It's just asking the right questions. Okay, we're going to insure this 150,000 rand stuff that you want us to insure. This is what it is. You have to give the value. Yes, absolutely the value. I mean, that goes without saying because you're insuring something at a certain value. So a certain sum insured. So we're insuring that at 150,000 rand, for example. Now, do you want that insured for normal perils? Normal perils would cost you the same as your building cover would cost you normally. So that might be 10 rand per 100,000 per month. Let's call it 10 rand or 15 rand a month in this instance. If you wanted theft included, some of the insurance companies are saying, well, then you need to specify it on an all 
all-risk basis. Some policies are already an all-risk policy, but you need to specify it, which would mean that you're going to pay 5% of its value per annum. So that oh, could wow. be 5% of 750,000 7.5,000 per year divided by 12. So it's a lot more expensive. So then some of the insurance companies are not that expensive. They are saying we will do this at 1% per annum because we're only going to bother about the theft element and it's a very rare occasion. So there is no hard and fast rule. You need to look at it on an individual basis and one insurance company will treat it differently to another. That's been my experience lately. It's not all even. It's not like you can go to Hippo and yeah. choose a policy for your geezer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, apples for apples. They all have slightly different viewpoints. Okay, so then it goes to the next step, which is, well, now that we've established that it's fixture and that it's going to be insured this way or that way, now I need to know what of that 150,000, how much of that will be on the roof and how much of that will be inside your section? Why do we split that? In other words, why do I want the figures split? The owner can give me the split figures. That's no problem. Or the contractor can, because sometimes it's all, you know, a whole lot of technical, a list of technical things, which we don't know, which is inside or outside. And we ask them just to tell us. And what we do then is we, you must remember, the body corporate is obliged to prepare a schedule of replacement values before every annual general meeting. You can't just rely on the insurance company's one. So you prepare this thing and you structure it correctly because what's on common property, you need to show on the common property and what's inside the section, you will show as an additional sum. Okay, generally. Now that is... If assuming that you are either treating it as is the panels are receding to the common property or you might even have a conduct rule that states that and or you might even create an exclusive use area for that portion of the roof. We're not, we don't mind what you do. It's up to you how you deal with it. You can even rent these things and have lease agreements and lease out a portion of the roof. We don't mind. We can still insure them. That's not a problem. But the structuring of the schedule of replacement value then also comes into the picture. I haven't, again, been that fussy about it in the past because a panel here and there or a unit here and there on it is not going to change the game. But what we have seen is particularly in commercial bodies corporate, where a whole long building, you know, might be a huge building, you know, might be a thousand square meters of roof space full of panels. Now, that does make an impact if you structure that, whether you put those panels in as an additional sum on the schedule or you actually uh, put it as common property, it's going to impact the difference between the value of people's units when they go and sell their units or go to the bank for a bond. So you have to get that right on the larger where you're going to have larger systems. Okay, Mark, can I just throw in a question here? Um, if the body corporate decides they want nothing to do with this installation, they've gone through the process of giving the necessary approval, but one of the rules or conditions are that the owner that does the installation should arrange for his own or her own insurance on the installation. What happens if there is a claim and common property is damaged also as a result hereof? 
should the rules not include that although they are responsible for payment of the premium, that they also should be cover for damage to common property? No, absolutely. So, first of all, I'm of the view, and it's not necessarily the view of everybody because we speak to different people, but I'm of the view that, you know, I'm assuming and I'm working on the assumption, I know that some of the legal experts are going to hire legal authority or they're referring it up to the even more cleverer people, the expert experts, I call them, as to whether those solar panels actually really do accede to the common property. Okay, so that is being actually looked at at the moment because, again, the buzzword among the legal circles is exactly the same. Now, why is that important? Because for insurance brokers, we need to know that that is actually common property. And if it is, the body corporate is actually obliged to insure it. Body corporate must insure all improvements to the common property, which that is. So you have to insure it. You can't outsource that. You can't agree to something or put something in the rules that is different to what the Act is requiring. Okay, so that's my view at this point. That's my view at this point. So on common property, body corporate needs to insure and recover yeah. the cost of that additional premium from... And you need to put that recovery in your rules. That's the important thing because otherwise it's just common property and you might not have the right to enforce it later. All right. I'd like to know about the insurer's specification for installation. And it might not just be solar. It could also be gas or solar geysers. Surely replacement value of that is much higher than normal geysers. Will the excess payment on claims be more? Okay. So first of all, uh, yeah, there seems to be a, maybe three questions in there. So yeah. let's deal with it holistically. Okay. So <laughs> You know, will the insurer need specification or a specification? So I'm going to say that the insurance company don't actually need the actual or are not going to dictate a specification to you per se. Okay, so the insurance company are just requiring that whatever you install is installed in a compliant manner and is in line with national building regulations, local authority regulations, and so on and so on. So it must be compliant. Okay, so the insurance company requires that it's compliant and legal. Now, what do I mean by legal? It means that the body corporate must have approved it in the first place. Any improvement, you know, whether it even be an enclosed balcony or something, because the minute an owner can somewhere insure it on their own, let's call it in layman's terms, and there is a claimable event and the insurance company are now in a pickle. Do they pay the claim or don't they pay the claim? Because the trustees might be in dispute with that owner as to whether or not that addition can be there. So I think it's very important that it should be a legal structure and that the trustee should approve it being insured in the first place. Okay, so that's point one. And then it should be a compliant matter. Now let's go to your gas and solar geysers, etc. One of the insurers at the recent NAMA Expo actually did a talk on it, and I was actually quite impressed because we got some clarity from, from the talk itself, which is that they will require a COC, electrical COC, when a solar installation is installed. So when something solar is installed, there are electrical components, and it makes good sense, I think it's sensible even, to have an electrical compliance certificate. So that insurance company will require it up front. 
Most insurance companies don't ask for stuff. Okay, they just, at claim stage, they will require it. So we are always telling our clients, get the compliance certificates, managing agents, try and keep them on file. You can send them to us as AdSure. We'll put them on file if you send them to us, but we're certainly not going to die rise. And, you know, it's not our responsibility to keep staff. So try and get them, you know, ask owners. And then... You know, especially with gas, you want to make sure the gas is compliant. Just last weekend, a gas stove exploded in a section uh, that we look oh, after. Luckily, nobody was hurt. There was no COC. I ha- we haven't even drilled down to the cause, but there was certainly gas leaking at the back of within the kitchen, and it could have been very, very That's serious. So, I, I, so I'm all for gas COCs and I'm all for electrical COCs. Okay, certificates of compliance. But, you know, we as insurance companies, insurance brokers certainly don't. It's assumed it's in the policy wording that that is a condition of cover. Okay. Then your last uh, part of it was, will the excess change? Because the sum insured is higher. So, yes, the excess is likely to be higher. And I'll give you an example. One of the insurance companies has been, because of the buzz, and we've been working with them, and it was part of, you could say, changing with the time. For AdShare, what they're going to be doing is for their policy, they're going to adjust the geezer section to include hot water installation. Okay, I haven't even spoken about hot water solar today, Mm -hmm. but that is a huge element of the whole equation as well. The hot water thing, for example, is a different animal. And so, for example, a normal geezer might cost you 9,000 rand to replace. I'm talking about a 150 liter standard geezer, whereas a solar geezer would cost 27,500, including that. Fully installed. Yeah. So now three times the amount. Three times the amount. So what the insurance company have been negotiating with us is that they will just put an excess. They have a minimum excess of say one thousand five hundred, but then they will insure a solar or a, an increased valued thing with a minimum excess plus ten percent of value or whatever the case might be. Okay, because yeah, they do need to obviously manage it. It's all about managing the cost. You can have a lower excess for a higher premium. It's the basic norm. Does that answer the question? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. It's it's extremely interesting, and thank you for that. Just by closing, our time is running out. In general, a claims history of a body corporate, because that is I see in in practice is now becoming a problem. How does the claims history of a body corporate influence the annual renewal and premium of the insurer? It actually makes a huge impact. In fact, it's probably the the main driver of premium. Uh, Let me put it to you this way. So, first of all, what is claims history and what is claims ratio? So, the claims history is historically over a period of time what is the claims what have the claims been all about and why is that important well the insurance company want to charge a certain premium against a certain value and give you a premium for the building now they've got to run at a profit but not too much of a profit that they actually you know are stinging you but they've got to run a premium that they're not running at a loss either so what is a fair premium? I'm going to come to that when 
I speak about claims ratio. So the insurance company will determine this by looking at your claims history to get an idea of what the normal claims are. Well, there's a here. If they look at look at the last five years or the last three years, they can see a geezer tends to be replaced every ten months or so, um, or there's a geezer every month. Depends on the size of the building, of course. Um, they they look and see. Well, there's obviously a pipe burst once every three months. Every winter, we seem to have a problem with the roof. There's some storm damage uh, every every summer or whatever the case might be. Okay, so they get a feeling for, for for what goes on here, and then they look at the claims ratio. Now, what is claims ratio? Very simple. It's the ratio of claims to premium. So you're, for every 100 rands worth of insurance premium that comes in, how much are they paying out in claims? A 40% claims ratio would mean that they're paying 40 rand out for every 100 rand that they, that comes in. So what should it be? It should be between 35% and 55%. Why should it be there? should be there because, first of all, the insurance company are running at a loss from 55 to 60% onwards. 40% of the premium, so for every 40 rand out of the 100 rand, for every 100 rand that comes in, the insurance company use 40 rand to pay for the policy itself. They pay their staff, their rent, their brokers. I get paid out of that, everything, okay? Rest, the 60 rand that's left is left to pay the claims, okay? Now, if you're running at 60% claims ratio, the insurance company are therefore running at a loss. The break-even point is 60%. So ideally, if your policy is running on average between 35, let's say 40%, then your premium is correct. If your premium is running at 10% consistently, you're paying too much, in my opinion. That's where your broker steps in and finds you a better rate. If your premium is running at 100%, the insurance company need to double your premium to halve the claims ratio. That's the principle. Um, I won't go into more detail than that, but we do have a couple of short videos on our YouTube channel if somebody wants to go and watch. Thank you so much, and, and thank you for reminding us of that. But obviously, from our discussion today, I have many more questions, so we are definitely going to reschedule another date on insurance. Mike, thank you once again. Absolute pleasure. And please where they can get hold of you or add to a, should they have more questions. Oh, no, thank you. Um, www.addsure.co.za is a good place to start. We're all around the country. Our head office is actually in the Western Cape. My Johannesburg and Gauteng team, we're here. And uh, we have a team in Durban as well. So, yeah, all around the country and uh, particularly in Gauteng, where I am, I'm quite keen to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Ladies and gents, I certainly hope you found value in this, and we will be back soon. This was Fitzsounds Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer. Not only do we keep you informed on the very latest in the property industry, we also empower by expanding your knowledge base. Make sure to visit www.fitzon.co.za to 
find out more about sectional title scheme management, letting, sales and trustee training. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on all our social platforms.